It's Ward Wednesday here on Locked On Vaults. Josh Ward checks in with the program here in segment number one. The highlights of the media availabilities, comments on Kentucky, and what this rivalry game means to the University of Tennessee. That's in segment two. And you ask for it, we will deliver some pro football focus highlight grades eight weeks in. That's today's show rundown here on Wednesday, Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome into a Wednesday Locked On Vols, your first listen each and every day. I'm your host, Harry Kane. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kaner. This podcast at Locked On Vols, five days a week, completely free, and on every single platform, YouTube coming soon. So as I laid out in the cold open, got a fun show coming up here today. A lot of audio coming up in segment number two, and a couple of really nice quotes from some Tennessee players on what this rivalry game means to them. It's Kentucky. I know that a lot of times fans will say, you know, Kentucky is Kentucky, but this is a Kentucky team that's been very competitive, has won three times in this series, dating back to 2011, but Tennessee has just dominated the series. So we'll get to some of that here in segment number two, plus a health check from Alex Golish. Tennessee's offensive coordinator. Uh, so a fun show coming up, but as we do each and every Wednesday, let's go ahead and start with Josh Ward, former host of Locked On Vols, current host of Sports 180 on 99.1 The Sports Animal, a colleague of mine at the flagship station for the University of Tennessee. So let's get into it. Here is Josh Ward. Josh Ward joining us here on a Ward Wednesday. And Josh, I want you to start this thing off right here by talking me off the ledge. I'm not predicting a 20-point Tennessee victory here, but I, I just... I can't find an argument for Kentucky winning this football game. Um, you know what say you? I just I, I think Tennessee matches up so well against Kentucky, and I, I'm predicting a uh, Tennessee victory in this one. I lean the same direction as you. Uh, now I can come up with a way Kentucky wins the game. I think the way that it would work is that Tennessee's run game just uh, is not able to get things going, and for whatever reason, Tennessee is out of sync on offense throwing the football. And then Kentucky is able to clean things up with uh, turnovers because that's been a major issue for the Wildcats. It's actually impressive what their record is considering where they are at the bottom of the league, uh, at the bottom of the nation, in what they've done turning the football over and then forcing turnovers. If that flips, then the outcome could as well. Uh, on Sports 180 on Monday, we talked about the point spread with Kentucky being a slight favorite. And I said the line makes sense in terms of I expected Kentucky to be the favorite at home, but in the matchup for this game this week, I do think the wrong team is favored. I think Tennessee's the better team going in because I think it's it's moving in a better direction. It had the week off to prepare and rest up a little bit. Kentucky did not have that. So uh, I, I think it's a game that either team can win, but I really like Tennessee's chances to win the game. Yeah, and in, in this two-game losing skid for Kentucky after starting off 6-0, and and you know, Georgia is the best team in the country, so that's expected, but that loss to Mississippi State was not both State and Georgia, they completely shut down the run. I mean, Chris Rodriguez is second in the league in rushing behind Tyler Beatty uh, with like eight eight oh nine on the ground so far this season. I combined 117 rushing yards for Kentucky in those two ball games. Is it as simple as obviously protect the football, don't turn the football over, but just shut down that run for Kentucky? Because I feel like if, if you do that, you put the ball in Will Levis's hands, he is not going to win you the football game. I think you're probably right. Uh, that's the way that I would go. And if I'm Tennessee, that's another reason to be confident because I'm thinking, okay, we can slow down their rushing attack and force their passing game, which has not been anywhere close to elite this season, to have to be this Saturday. Now, if this is just a low-scoring game, temperatures are down, 
and we're talking about a, a 14 to 13 game, 20 to 17 type game. That to me would be the scenario where either team can win it. But if Tennessee's offense is able to do what it's capable of, that's what I don't think Kentucky can keep up with. That's, you know, if Tennessee's able to get to the 24 to 30 point range, I would say good luck to Kentucky getting there unless its defense helps in that regard, which could happen. But I, I think Kentucky is looking at this one saying our defense really has to step up. It has to be what you would expect a, a Kentucky-Tennessee game to be where Kentucky has a chance to win, and that's kind of a lower-scoring, ugly-type game. I know Kentucky put a bunch of points on the board in Knoxville last year, but Kentucky's defense helped with that. I'm sure they're thinking the same thing. The Vols are, of course, going in with a lot more offensive confidence this year compared to last year. Will Rogers, 92%, 36-39. Uh, those cornerbacks play off an awful lot. Javonta Payton mentioned that in his media availability on Monday. I feel like there's opportunity there in the pass game for Tennessee as well that you run the football to set up the pass, and, and there's going to be chances there with, with burners like Peyton, of course, Jalen Hyatt, and then Bayless Jones uh, to, to go and just run past those guys and get open down the field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Javante Peyton confidently talking about his speed for good reason because it's helped him this year be able to make plays in this offense. And yeah, I, I think that there will be really good opportunities for Tennessee in the passing game and for Hendon Hooker this upcoming week. And as the season has gone along, I think somebody like Bayless Jones, who was not 100% health-wise at the beginning of the season, has gotten a lot more comfortable, and they found different ways to get him the football. Cedric Tillman with the touchdown catch against Alabama. Uh, he's not a, a burner speed-wise, but good size, and that was a play down the field after the catch and run. So they're just there are a number of options for Tennessee in this offense, and that comes back to the confidence that should exist. And you know, if the running game is good enough for Tennessee, then I think the passing game will follow along. But we've known all year that Tennessee needs to run the football. For somebody like Tyon Evans, you know, we'll see what his status is, how he looks, assuming he's out there on Saturday night. But uh, if, if Tennessee can establish something on the ground, they'll find ways to make plays in the passing game. I'm confident in that with Tennessee, especially, again, having two weeks. Josh Heupel with two weeks to get ready for this game should help Tennessee's offense. All right, Josh, tell me why this is not just your typical Tennessee versus Kentucky matchup. I feel like fans should, you know, especially in recent years past, last year in particular, I mean, this Kentucky team, it's well coached, it's disciplined, it's great at the line of scrimmage. It's not a gimme anymore, but because of the, the success in this series history, I feel like a lot of Tennessee fans just still look at Kentucky saying that should be a guaranteed victory. That should not be the mindset anymore, sadly, right now, where this program is, right? No, that should not be the mindset. Uh, I know Kentucky's coming off a loss to Mississippi State, and some fans may be looking at that saying, uh-oh, should that scare us that, uh, that now Kentucky's going to come back home refocused, even though that shouldn't be a thing uh, for Kentucky against Tennessee. But this is not where Tennessee-Kentucky was for a couple of decades. This is a game you and I are sitting here saying that Tennessee very well could and maybe should win. I like the Vols this week to win the game, but it's, you know, Kentucky's well coached. They have a better roster in terms of developed talent guys up front that play sound. And, you know, Tennessee is still trying to figure some things out along the line of scrimmage on offense. Again, getting healthier over the last couple of weeks uh, should help that by the time they get to Lexington. But, you know, Kentucky has reason to be confident as well. They don't have to answer questions about a losing streak anymore. They know what they did last year. And even though it's a different coaching staff for Tennessee and different personnel and different quarterback, these players are going to go out in the field saying, hey, at home on a Saturday night, we beat Florida earlier this year. Why can't we beat Tennessee? So Tennessee should go in confident and should play well and will have a chance to win the game. But Tennessee cannot show up in Lexington thinking all we have to do is walk out on the field 
and we win the game. They can probably have that mindset against Vanderbilt in a few weeks, but against Kentucky, no. Now, in saying that, I, I do want to shift to something that is the same old Kentucky. I wrote a column on, on it earlier this week. I spoke about it on Locked on Vols here this week. Uh, Mark Stoops, to his credit, trying to modernize his offense. He went out, he fired his quarterback coach, fired his offensive coordinator, brought in a new OC from the NFL, trying to get out of this mindset of relying on the defense, running the football exclusively, and trying to make plays at the quarterback position. That has not been the case. Kentucky is dead last in the SEC with 61 plays per game, uh, 26 pass attempts per game, ranks 12th in the conference. This is a this is a team offensively that wants to shrink the game, take away possessions, and rely on that defense. And that, Josh, is why I feel like, again, if Tennessee can string together some first downs, I mean, there's no chance Kentucky can keep up with the Volunteers. That's how I'm viewing it. Uh, tell me where I'm wrong here. Tell me if that's something that you picked on as well. It, it looks like the same old Kentucky offensively as was Terry Wilson in years past. It does seem that way uh, in terms of what Kentucky has wanted to do, and uh, that comes back to the 2018 game, I think, in a number of ways where Kentucky was a good team that year. But in that game, Tennessee was able to get a first-half lead. They had the touchdown at the end of the half to Marquez Callaway, and I think we all, we all went into the second half saying, yeah, Kentucky can't win the game. I, I wouldn't say that this year if Tennessee's up by two scores that Kentucky can't win the game. But I'm going to love Tennessee's chances to win if the Vols get up by a couple of scores. So, uh, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, hey, you want to get up early. Well, most teams prefer to get up as opposed to fall behind. But, you know, the thing about Kentucky, you're right. They, they don't throw the ball a ton. They're still bottom in the league, bottom four or five in interceptions thrown, despite the lack of pass attempts this season. So if they're in a position where they have to throw more, I don't think Kentucky will be as efficient and they can be turnover prone. And that's what Tennessee needs to take advantage of. So if if the Vols go to Lexington and win the turnover battle, which has been a challenge for the Wildcats, then Tennessee should come back to Knoxville with a win. Tennessee, Kentucky, it's going to happen at historic Kroger Field, where I hear they're checkering uh, that stadium blue and white coming up at 7 o'clock on Saturday. Josh, what's coming up the rest of the week on Sports 180 with Heather Harrington? Yeah, that's a big game in terms of Tennessee's potential for the season. If the Vols win Saturday, they have a really good chance to finish 7-5, and five, should finish 7-5, and five, at least with a win against Kentucky. So we'll talk about Tennessee's chances to do that. It's college football playoff time. It's big overreaction week, and we'll do that on Sports 180. Always a fun time with Josh Ward every Wednesday in segment number one. Price Picks, the leader in college sports daily fantasy. Price Picks offers any prop you can possibly think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. Everybody that does a first-time deposit by using the promo code Locked On, you can get 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use that promo code Locked On. You pick the two to five players, the over and under, and the projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Price Picks allows mixed sports entries as well. You know, on a night like the other night when the World Series is going on, you can also get in on that college football action, the over uh, in touchdowns thrown and that key SEC matchup, or the under in runs totaled in the World Series. Mixed sports entries is a whole lot of fun. PrizePix allows all that and more on the award-winning app, both the App Store and Google Play, and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. PrizePix safe and offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out PrizePix.com, use that promo code locked on, or go to the App Store and download the app today. Price picks is daily fantasy made easy and a proud sponsor of Locked On Balls. That would be McDonald's. Okay, it is been serving 
awesome food at an affordable price for for so very long. Okay, it's it's tasty food, affordable food, but it's also a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. It's a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing that they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or even the away team can come to recharge. It's the place where you always look forward to stopping by on a long road trip. Okay, McDonald's, it's always been there for for my family, for your family. If you want something quick and easy, again, that that value menu, go through that um, uh, that express line, get in, get out. Or if you want to you want to go inside, take some time to you know hang out, connect, fellowship with your friends and friend family. It's all there at your local McDonald's. Okay, so I want you to head on over to that local McDonald's, refuel and reconnect, and uh, potentially we can maybe get together and have a little locked on balls party at our local McDonald's here in Knoxville at one point in time, maybe you know for a Tennessee bowl game. Who knows? Go check them out today. Again, McDonald's. I'm loving it. Back and out of here for segment number two of a Wednesday show. It's Locked On Balls, your first listen each and every day. Want to bring some highlights of some of the comments from Tennessee's media availability. Once again, I've thrown shade at Gainesville. I have thrown shade at Dan Mullen every time I've gone to a media availability this week because, well, here at a normal institution, yes, I said Tennessee is a normal institution. We have media availabilities throughout the week, whereas Florida's defensive you know, defensive-minded, thin-skinned head coach Dan Mullen canceled the rest of his uh, throughout the rest of the week. So we'll move on from that. Wanted to get that in there. Um, Alex Golish, Tennessee's offensive coordinator, met with the media, and he spoke for about 13 minutes. I went ahead and pulled a clip. Um, this is just him in conversation talking about how the offense has improved over the bye week and all that type of stuff. Then he gets into running the football and then the health of the offensive line and the running backs. I give this a listen. This is from one of the answers from Alex Golish, Tennessee's offensive coordinator. Luckily, I feel like coming back off this bye week, we've got a full stable back to healthy at running back. Um, we're back to healthy on the O-line. I feel like we're, we're going to have our best chance now down this stretch to run the football as long as we can obviously stay healthy. But it, it has. It's been really, really challenging, uh, both in running the football and, and being able to protect the quarterback in a lot of ways. And, and again, he said this twice on Tuesday, and so it, it really – makes you believe that Tennessee's offensive line is going to be in good shape heading in this football game. Cooper Mays is going to be continued to be out there. Cade Mays should be back. At least this is, I'll continue to check as the week goes on, but this is what it sounds like from uh, Alex Golish, as you just heard it, and he doubled down on it moments later. And as well as the the, the backfield with Tyon Evans and Jabari Small and Lenith Whitehead and all those guys. So that is a good sign. If Tennessee can run the football it will open up the offense. It will extend drives. It will get those first downs, and it's able to get this offense rolling a little bit. And in a game like this with Kentucky, it just simply can't keep up. And so I think that is a, a huge, huge quote there that we pulled from uh, Alex Golish there from a Tuesday media availability. Uh, we'll go on now. Alante Taylor, Tennessee senior defensive back. Um, this is Alante Taylor on. I asked him, uh, you know, about the slower pace of Kentucky's offense, as we've talked about here on this podcast. 61 offensive plays per game. That is last in the SEC. Quite the difference from going up against Ole Miss that ran 101 plays. And Alabama that ran 92 plays. Feels like Tennessee's going to have a whole lot of time to communicate in between snaps and get ready for the for the next play. I asked Alante Taylor on that communication. Here is what Alante Taylor had to say. Um, I don't feel like communication was like a big problem for us, uh, but like you said, it's going to help a whole lot. You know, we're we'll to get the checks a little bit faster, be able to work, work through our brains a little quicker before the ball snap, which will help us a lot because we'll be able to play a little bit faster. Um, I think that you'll see that on Saturday too, a faster defense. 
I mean, football players are in shape. They continue to stay in shape as the season goes on. But, I mean, you still get tired and tired and tired. So, obviously, you know, they were – I don't want to say that they were excelling, but they were fine going 101 plays and 92 plays. But you cut that down by almost 40 plays or, or 30 plays, you're going to have a lot more left in the tank, in my opinion. Be, so, because Kentucky shrinks the game, I feel like Tennessee, as, as Alante Taylor said, uh, can be a little bit faster on Saturday. And so, that is what I'm expecting. Um, also, ask a couple of these players on how they view this Kentucky game. Uh, Alante Taylor is a veteran. He's played Kentucky three times already. He has won twice and lost once. Of course, that defeat 34-7 to inside Neyland Stadium last year. Asking Alante Taylor what this Kentucky game means uh, to him, here's what Tennessee's senior captain had to say. He's a lot. Um, one thing I came in is that you don't lose a Kentucky, and you know we didn't have that happen last year. Um, but kind of, I was watching a video last night, man, when we had the goal line stop against Kentucky at Kentucky, and it kind of gave me chills. And I was like, like that's who we are. Um, so this game is personal, and you know I kind of see a lot of things on social media, how you know they're angry and this and that, and they're gonna win out these last however many games they have, but you know, we just coming off a of bye week, we're ready to play, we're gonna show the world that teams can actually have success after a bye week. You know, a lot of teams come off a of bye week and kind of fell a little bit, but not us. And so that's big. I mean, he, he said, coming into Tennessee, one thing I knew is you don't lose to Kentucky. Um, and, and, and so there you go. I mean, that's how that's how the players view it as well, and, and, and that's how Alante Taylor views it. I thought that was a, a really, really good telling quote there. Um, ask Alante Taylor on or moving on from Alante Taylor, excuse me, onto Jabari Small. Ask him the same thing. You know, he's a Memphis kid, an in-state guy. What does this Kentucky game mean to you, Jabari Small? You want to win these these battles with, with Kentucky. I know in middle school is a Tennessee versus Kentucky All-Star game. So it's a big it's a big deal uh, defending our state and just winning the border. So I'm excited for the game. And then finally, I want to play this audio clip from Jabari Small. And this might be the, uh, the, the soundbite of the day here on the show. Uh, was asking Jabari Small, not me, someone else, uh, Jabari Small, hey, what has Hendon Hooker meant uh, to this offense? Of course, Hendon Hooker was the second-string quarterback at the beginning of the season. He's come in and really taken over this job and not looked back in the uh, the second quarter there, uh, towards the end of the second quarter there against Pittsburgh. What has number five, Hendo Cinco, meant to this offense? It's a little funny how he comes out here, but uh, give this a listen. This is uh, Jabari Small, Tennessee's sophomore running back. Uh, the world. <laughs> I mean, he's a great player, a great leader. Uh, he's playing very great right now. Uh, we just want to continue that, and just we're, we're locked in behind him. So he's a great leader. He's meant the world, and I, it's hard to argue. I mean, he truly has. We are finally seeing for the first time in, what, five years, what good quarterback play can do for a football team. And, and this offense that is very quarterback-friendly, allowing the quarterbacks to go out and make plays and and throw it all over the place and also make plays with your legs. I mean, Hendon Hooker is thriving in this offense. So couldn't agree more with Jabari Small there in saying that Hendon Hooker has meant, quote, the world uh, to this offense. So those were some of the highlights, and I uh, hope you guys uh, got uh, a lot out of those uh, highlight calls from or those highlights uh, from the audio clips from Tuesday's media availability. It's it's apparent. Uh, Tennessee's coaches, Tennessee players, they respect Kentucky. They understand that they are great up front, great in the trenches. They do a lot of things that a good football team does. But uh, this is a game that Tennessee wants to avenge from last season. This is a game that Tennessee believes there's some opportunity to go out there and win this football game. And though they're not thinking about it, I know we are, you win this football game, you have seven wins on the season. 
I mean, how about in the offseason when we're sitting here saying, you know, what's Tennessee's record? A lot of national plaudits were saying maybe four, maybe, you know, miracle-wise five wins, but some of those plaudits were saying four wins. No, I, I thought Tennessee could crawl to six wins. That's going to happen. This could be win number seven. So uh, there is 60 minutes to play. That'll tell the tale. But obviously, uh, this football team is ready to roll, rested, and uh, gearing up for Kroger Field in Lexington come Saturday night. We will take a peek at what the PFF grades look like in season eight weeks in. That's coming up next here on Locked on Balls. But first, it's Bill Bar. If you haven't tried Bill Bar by now, you're truly missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like one. you got to try one of these amazing bars for yourself to truly believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy and just plain hard to choke down, but a built bar is soft. It's covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's really more of an experience and one that you're going you're gonna to enjoy an awful lot. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built bars are low in carbs, low in calories, low in fats, low in sugars, high in protein, so healthy the benefits are incredible on top of just being purely delicious. And one of the best things about Bill Bar, so many flavors, so many mouthwatering flavors, including a coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry. And this month, Bill is coming out with a new limited time flavors every three to four days. So you want to be dialed into the website so you don't miss out on anything. What is that website? I will tell you right now. It is built.com. Use that promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And you know, the World Series happening last night, college football on the docket every weekend, the National Football League's back, NBA is back. It is a great sports time, and back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline.ag is what I'm talking about. It remains your number one spot for football and basketball action this season. And you can head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive that bonus. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. What's that mean? If I deposit $100, they're going to give you $50. If I deposit $300, they're going to give me $150 to play with. All right. It's from basketball to football to baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. You don't want to wait to take advantage of all these amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your all your favorite sports. Bet online. It is where the game starts. Welcome back into Locked On Vols, segment number three of a Wednesday show. Thanks so much for making Locked On Vols your first listen. A lot of you guys are big fans of the Pro Football Focus rankings and wanted me to do kind of a combination of uh, an in-season grades here at the bye week. I know last week is the bye week, and um, I did not do this, but my colleague Rob Lewis over at VolQuest.com, he took the time and did that. So again, check out the full uh, article that Rob Lewis posted. Again, that's VolQuest.com. I'm going to give you the highlights here. Uh, but want to make sure to give him credit for the work that he did. But uh, these are season grades so far for Tennessee, according to Pro Football Focus. And again, guys, remember, you got to take everything with a grain of salt because Pro Football Focus does not know the individual assignments of every single play, but I like them because they do tell a story. All right, so Hendon Hooker is the highest-graded player on Tennessee's team. He is the highest-graded offensive player. He's got a grade of 847 on 453 snaps, which is really, really good. And a reminder really quick, below 50, according to the grading scale, below 50 is a backup. 50 to 59 is a below average starter. 60 to 69 is an average starter. 
70 to 79 is an above average starter. 80 to 89 is very good. And 90 to 99 is considered elite. So the 84.7 for Hinton Hooker on 453 snaps would indeed be very, very good. So, um, you know, will he continue to generate some NFL buzz if he continues to play the way he is? I still think that it would be knowledgeable for him to come back, take advantage of that Kenny Pickett six year and see what can happen next year. But we'll have to see. Four games left. He's thrown 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, which has been really, uh, really, really solid. He struggled to begin the season throwing the deep ball. I think he began the season 11-26 for 454 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, those are on throws that travel 20 yards or more, so he's been really firm uh, in that regard. he's th- Tennessee loves to throw between the hashes. Uh, Hendon Hooker's been great between the hashes. 1,578 yards so far this year for Hendon Hooker. 919 of those have come between the hashes, or between the numbers, excuse me, between the numbers. Um, so Hendon Hooker's been incredible. He leads the way up there at the top. Uh, Tyon Evans, 209 snaps, comes in at number two, and 80.5, and that should be as no surprise. Valus Jones Jr., 77 even on 303 snaps. Lenith Whitehead just on 51 snaps in the backfield, 74.7. Jeremiah Crawford on 61 snaps, 73.4. Cade Mays is your first starting offensive lineman that appears. He's had a solid year, 369 snaps, 73.4. Jabari Small comes in behind him at 71. Cedric Tillman, 66. I'll continue to go down here to some starters. Darnell Wright at 64.1. You've got Javante Spragans at 60.7. Ollie Lane, who's played an awful lot of snaps, at 60.5. You continue to go down. Javante Payton is a starter. He's at 59.2. Jacob Warren is at 58.2. You've got Jerome Carvin at 53.5. Cooper Mays at 52.9. And Princeton Fant, 51.5. So there are some starters that are down here towards the bottom of the offensive rankings, most notably uh, Princeton Fant, who is, along with Jacob Warren, a starting tight end, 51.5, and that's that's just not good enough. That's on 271 snaps. Jacob Warren has played 295 snaps at 58.2, but so been a little bit better there. But Jerome Carvin, who it, it's been a tough task for him playing guard, playing center. He is not a natural center, but he's played that pretty much the entire season outside of, what, a game and a half, maybe two games all told so far, uh, 53.5 for Jerome Carvin. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I think that there are some good things to take away from this. Anytime your your starting quarterback is your highest grader on PFF, that is that is, that is really really good to work with. Um, and, and so that's kind of where Tennessee is. But uh, no other offensive lineman was at 70 plus on the season uh, pro for, per Pro Football Focus other than Cade Mays. So that might be a little bit of alarming. But Darnell Wright at 65.4 first year as a left tackle. That's not bad either. Um, so some things to work with there. But that's Tennessee on the offensive side. You go to the defensive side, Tennessee's leader on defense, though just 211 snaps, but it's been Byron Young. You know, Byron Young missed the first two games of the season, took him a couple games to start working himself into the rotation. But he is a regular now, and he we're seeing a little bit of that hype that we saw all in spring and all in the offseason. He's got a motor. He is quick. He's got a great step. He's got good bend. Um, 79.1 for Byron Young to lead all of Tennessee's defensive players. Matthew Butler coming in at 77.8. Alante Taylor at 75.7. So when you look at the top five Tennessee defenders here, 
four of them are defensive linemen. And again, defensive linemen, the snap count is down because they rotate so much. But you got Byron Young, 79.1. Matthew Butler, 77.8. And by the way, Matthew Butler's snap count is higher than any other defensive lineman at 425. Elijah Simmons is at 75.6. He's been injured the last couple weeks. Omari Thomas is at 75.4. So you got two defensive linemen sandwiching around Alante Taylor in the three spot at 75. Uh, Kamal Hatton, who's come on, played the entire game against Alabama because of an injured Warren Burrell, has come on and played a lot of snaps at cornerback here lately. Uh, He comes in at, I guess, sixth at 72.7, which is really, really good. And I thought he played a good game against Alabama. I really did. Uh, Theo Jackson, who I think has been Tennessee's best defensive player so far this season, at 411 snaps, 72.1. He has been uh, really, really good. You continue to work yourself down. You're seeing some impact players. Tyler Barron is at 69.3, only 280 snaps. I feel like that snap count would be much higher if he was at 100%. But Tyler Barron at 69.3. You've got Warren Burrell at 63.7. Uh, Trayvon Flowers at 519 snaps at 62.6. Um, and then I'll just skip on down here to the bottom, which is a little alarming. Uh, working our way from the bottom now up, the bottom player in terms of Tennessee defenders with the lowest grade in-season grade per uh, per pro football focus is Jalen McCullough at 48.4, 601 snaps. 48.4 is not good enough. That That is Jalen McCullough's grade. Solon Page at 240 snaps, 50.3. Jeremy Banks at 406 snaps, 53.0. I mean, you got your starting middle linebacker, third worst. Jalen McCullough, your starting strong safety, he is the worst. Aaron Beasley, your starting will linebacker, fifth worst at 56.2. He's actually played more snaps than Jeremy Banks. How about that? 428 snaps for Aaron Beasley compared to 406 snaps uh, for Jeremy Banks on the season. So uh, those are some of the highlights. Uh, again, we we've, we talked about how safety play's not been great. Uh, Jalen McCullough, Trayvon Flowers, they've been very slow. They've been they've been um, late to get help over the top. They've missed some tackles, and that's kind of reflective in these grades, especially with Jalen McCullough. I mentioned the last two weeks have not been the best two weeks for Aaron Beasley. Um, his grades has come down again to a 56.2, but I think it's I think it's evident that when you look up at the top of these grades, and again at VolQuest.com, check out what Rob Lewis found out for us here. Four of the top six Tennessee defenders are all defensive line. That is a straight Rodney Gardner effect right there, making a difference in the guys with Elijah Simmons, with Matthew Butler, with Amari Thomas, guys who have been here, and of course making a difference with uh, Byron Young. So that is a look at the pro football focus in season grade. Just a little synopsis. Uh, Rob gives a lot of great detail. He goes into uh, descriptions and gives more stats. You can check all that out at VolQuest.com. That is going to do it for a Wednesday show. Big thanks to Josh Ward for stopping by the show and I hope you guys enjoyed some of the uh, audio clips I played in segment number two from the media availability on Tuesday and a look at the pro football focus in season grades got two more shows left this week we will continue to break down Kentucky we will look ahead I will talk to a couple of different uh, journalists who cover the University of Tennessee and maybe one that covers Kentucky we'll have to see but all that is more and that's coming up here on Locked On Vols to conclude the week Thanks so much for making Locked On Vols your first listen. Check out Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy of Sports 797, five days a week. That is Locked On SEC. Give that a listen for your second listen of the morning. Guys, thanks so much. We'll do it again on a Thursday. But until then, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.